With a brief summary of 2 Samuel 11, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. The chapter before us can be summed up in just a couple words. Look, lust, scent, sex, pregnancy. Those words summarize a passage in the scriptures in David's life here, and it's simply this. Be sure that your sin will find you out. This is amazing grace. One of the many problems with sin is that it deceives us into thinking that it's no big deal. We think we can stop at any point. All the while, it's putting its hooks into us, forging an invisible chain. Before we know it, we awake to the reality that we're held captive to it and unable to break free. So it's important to recognize our weakness and vulnerability to sin and discover some practical steps we can take that will serve to protect us. What do you say we do that today on Abounding Grace? We join Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Samuel chapter 11. This chapter records David's infamous sin with Bathsheba. 2 Samuel chapter 11. We had a partial introduction to the chapter the last time we were together at the end of chapter 10. We covered chapter 10 pretty quickly and then spent the remainder of our time as an introduction. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to pick it up. It helps to understand where we're at. By way of review, though, we have David in another place of a good place. He's just been victorious. He's expanded the kingdom in ever-widening ways. God has shown himself faithful through David's life. The Bible tells us that victory came to David. Why? But because God was with him. And what a great description of our lives. What a great thing to be said of us. God is with us. But listen. In order for God to be with us, we must be with God. Abiding in Jesus Christ then brings that abiding presence of Jesus in us. In order for God to be with us, for us to enjoy the presence of God, we need to be with God. That is walking in his ways, doing his will, growing in a love relationship with him, walking in rhythm with him, not in rhythm with the world, not in rhythm with worldly things, but in rhythm with him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, in the New Living Translation, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he'll accept. When you think of what he's done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you'll know what God wants you to do And you'll know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. The good news is that God always in every way blesses his will. If you're seeking out the blessings of God, you want to experience the blessings of God, God always blesses his will. That can't be the same for our will. God doesn't always bless our will. Because when our desires don't line up with God's desires, God will not bless that. But if you're looking for 100% of God's blessing, walk in his will. 
and walk in his ways. As we're doing God's will, God's way, there's blessing. However, and it's unfortunate we have to use the word however. However, when we're outside of the will of God, knowingly and willingly, it's a very dangerous place to be. As we see in chapter 11 in David's life. Church, let David be a warning to you. Let David be a warning to me. This is a low light in his life. An unfortunate, unnecessary low light. It starts in verse 1. It came to pass in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It's about the springtime of the year, a time when it was customary when war would normally take place, when kings went to war. David was a king. So it's customary that David would go out to war. That's that time of the year. It's what was expected of him. But instead, verse 1 tells us that he sent Joab. Joab gained the victory in the battle. And David, it says, remained in Jerusalem. Now consider this. If we didn't know the rest of the chapter... And if we didn't know what happened in David's life, perhaps even some of you still don't know what's going to happen with David. I'd encourage you to read ahead as we won't cover the entire chapter today. But if we didn't know the rest of the story, we could easily conclude at the end of verse 1 that everything is fine. David has sent sent people into war for himself before. David, is. it would be customary for a king to dispatch his generals and his military to fight battles. And it would be okay for David to remain in Jerusalem. But there's a couple of things. Number one, we know the rest of the story. It wasn't good for David to stay in Jerusalem. But number two, God wants us to understand that David is not doing what's customary. He's not doing what's normal. He's not doing, you could say, what's right for a man in his position. Not only that... You'll also find in this section of scripture, like we've seen in other times in David's life, and how you can testify to this in your own life in many ways. There's no mention of David's intimacy with God. There's no mention of David seeking God. There's no mention of David's worship of God. This is more than just a king staying in Jerusalem. It's a king not walking in the ways of God, not walking in the will of God, having other people take care of things for him. And staying back, you could say this. You could write it in your Bible if you'd like next to verse 1. David is in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he purposely put himself there. This is a decision he made. And a decision often we can make with our own freedoms. Verse 2. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked out on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her, and she was cleansed, for she was cleansed from her impurity. She returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. The chapter before us can be summed up in just a couple words. Look, lust, 
sent sex pregnancy. Those words summarize a passage in the scriptures in David's life here, and it's simply this. Be sure that your sin will find you out. This all happened so rapidly and so quickly. David is in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's around 50 years of age, David is. A man whose lust was aroused by his eyes. And we learn in verse 2, I like how the New Living Translation puts it, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. A woman of unusual beauty crossed his path, his eyes, the path of his eyes. It could be said, ladies, as an application, a man of unusual handsomeness would cross your eyes. Something you would see. Something as you're walking out on the patio or walking through the market or working in a particular business here at church perhaps, someone caught your eye. Now a man or a woman can't be blamed if a beautiful woman or man crossed their paths. That's the reality of life. God has made men and women attractive to one another and I believe he did that on purpose. However, If a man, in this case David, chooses to deliberately linger for a second or a third look while at the same time feeding his lust, the Bible says that he, and if the same application for you ladies, you've committed adultery in your hearts. That's what Jesus said. Looking upon a sister in Christ or another man's wife or any other type of scenario to feed the lust in your heart, Jesus put it this way, anyone who looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Of course, David goes much farther than that, which is often the case for those that have a tendency to be flirtatious, for those that have a tendency to linger with their eyes, or as some have described, to undress someone with their eyes, or to literally follow up with that look as David did. This is, these five verses, for those of you that have adultery in your past, for those of you that have a fornication background, sex outside of marriage, you want to learn to do the exact opposite of these five verses. This is what got you in trouble the first time or the second time. To put yourself in a position to follow along with your lustful thoughts. That's what David does here. With his look, his lingering look, feeding his lust, he decides to send somebody for her. And who will deny the king? Listen, what God has called sin is not for us to search out and to chase after. What God has called sin is not for us to pursue or to to take our lives and point it in that direction, believers. Those of you that follow Jesus, it's not for us to be dabbling in things that are sinful and evil. The Bible couldn't be clearer. Jot it down in Romans chapter 16, verse 19. Paul writes to the Romans, he says, I want you to be wise in what is good, but simple concerning evil. You see, you can only watch so many sexually charged television shows before it starts to affect you. You think, oh, it won't affect me. Believe me, it does. You can only watch so many movies that are so sexually charged before it begins to affect you, if not the very first time. 
You can only chase after so many graphic novels, albeit in the realm of novels and and fiction, before that begins to arouse in you thoughts that will lead to evil. You can only take so so many looks at a beautiful woman or a handsome man and begin to play those over in your mind over and over again before you then begin to act out on your thoughts. David stands as a clear warning to us. Paul would write it this way to the church in Philippi. He would say, children of God, he wants us to be blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. One compromise that many believers make is dabbling in things that are evil and off-limits, off-limits. Things that are off-limits. They're off-limits for a reason. Dabbling in them is compromise when you should be avoiding them. It goes both ways. Somebody that might be approaching you in a flirtatious way or in a way that is trying to arouse your lust should be shut down right away especially if things aren't going well in your marriage, especially if you're a single person longing for marriage. It goes both ways. If you're being pursued today, and I believe there are those listening in that that they are being pursued and they know it. It needs to be shut down. Or you're in a marriage situation, maybe separated from your spouse, have a lot of free time in your hands, the emotions and things that are going on in your life. It is off limits for you to be flirtatious. It's off limits for you to lingeringly long at someone or for someone. You go, Ed, how can you say that? Because David, his example here, couldn't be clearer. Besides the covenant that you made with your husband or your wife, besides single, the covenant you've made with the Lord. David, or excuse me, Job even had to say that he made a covenant with his eyes. He made an agreement with his eyes knowing full well the power of temptation. The way to stay strong, or I should say be strong, the way to say stay strong is to pour yourself into what is good. You can't get enough good in you and spend very little time in what is evil, learning to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And as with any relationship, straying outside that which will build you up will soon tear you down and ultimately will tell you apart. It was evil to send for Bathsheba, to inquire of her. David, even though he's been a failure with his multiple marriages, he's still a married man nonetheless. Bathsheba as well, the report comes back, she's a married woman. And if David would have been paying attention, however we know, in being caught up in self-deceit and being caught up in lust, most people aren't paying attention at that time. But if he would have paid attention and he would have listened carefully, he would have remembered as he listened to the family line that Bathsheba is actually related to a man by the name of Ahithophel, a trusted, reliable man in his court, close to him. But you just remember that name for the future. It's hard to forget, isn't it? Ahithophel, his trusted counselor. We'll get back to it in David's life. There's a lot to learn. That's why we're not covering the entire chapter. I want to go a little bit slower uh, so we catch some of the important things because this episode in David's life, if we simply would learn it and heed it, would save us a lot of grief 
and a lot of grief to the people that we might draw into our own lustful desires or our own weaknesses of the flesh or whatever they might be, the sinful tendencies that could easily come upon any one of us. David, it says in verse 4, sent messengers and he took her. Don't, don't miss that. He took her. He took her. And Bathsheba, she willingly cooperates. Now, I read in a few commentaries people talking about Bathsheba and somehow making it her fault. She holds her own responsibility before the Lord. But it would be like the President of the United States calling for you. It's almost like you don't have a choice. And you don't know why you're being called. And yet when we see David, David is 100% in control of this scenario. A man of great power. A man of great prestige. Especially as we see him calling for her. And then time passes in between uh, verses 4 and 5. And she conceives. And she told David. She says, I'm with child. And his whole life changes. He does the worst of the worst in the rest of the chapter, as we'll see in a future study. But for now, I want to give you some biblical overtones, some insights behind the scenes to help us establish ourselves in goodness and righteousness when it comes to this area of sin. Primarily, the topic is sexual sin. And certainly it will be applicable to some listening in today or at another time. It's meant to edify and build you up and prepare you so you can build a fence around your marriage. So you will delight yourself, men, in the wife of your youth. And likewise, delighting yourselves in your husbands, ladies. Thinking the best of them. Praying for them. Guarding yourself from temptation, which James happens to talk about quite a bit. Would you turn over to James chapter 1 with me? James chapter 1, pick up with me in verse 14. We're in the middle now, or actually we're seeing the beginning stages of this sinful path that David's chosen to take, sin after sin after sin. The sin of David's lust has now conceived and was about to be born, a sin that will lead to much sorrow and death. For what? A few moments of forbidden pleasure. A few moments. David would have been wise to follow Moses' example here. When given the opportunity, he says he chose, Moses is spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 25, that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Listen, none of us would sin if we didn't derive some joy from it, some personal advantage. No temptation would be a temptation. Like, for example, I don't know many people that are tempted when they're walking through sprouts and they pass the bananas and they pass the oranges and they come to that barrel with nasty green things in it. It says Brussels sprouts on it. I see people at Sprouts eating out of the container when it's the bananas. I see people eating at Sprouts the chocolate thing out of the bananas. But I haven't seen anybody walking around with a Brussels sprout in their mouth. It's not tempting. Why would I do that? It's nasty. We're not tempted by nasty things. We're tempted by things that we're attracted to. I've never heard working out or getting in shape as a temptation. Have you? 
I was just tempted to work out yesterday, but I resisted. <laughs> but they got Twinkies hanging out of their mouth and <laughs> chocolate on their hands. What happened? Oh, nothing, man. I'm just... No, we're tempted by things that, that we like, things that we perceive as good. That's why temptation is always different for different people. You have a different upbringing. You know, just me mentioning Brussels sprouts, some of you argue, I like them. That's cool. We don't, we're not jealous of you or anything. That's all right. You like them. That's great. And something else might not be a temptation. Some people like sweet. Some people like salty things. I get it. And you should get it as well. There, there are unique temptations specific to you. Things that when you hear of somebody falling into some temptation or choosing temptation over here, you're like, how could that happen? How could that happen? I, I, that, and, and you might even get a little self-righteous and we have to catch ourselves, don't we? So that would never happen to me. And perhaps it wouldn't with that temptation. But there's something in your life that can happen to you. There is a temptation that will attract you, whether it's by your eyes or by your thoughts, that if not resisted, will be your undoing, will destroy your life, will give birth to death in your life because it was tempting to you. In, John, in James chapter 1, verse 14, here is what it means to be tempted. Let's pick up in verse 12, actually, for the context here. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been proved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But, verse 14, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There's a moment between back in 2 Samuel, there's a moment in all of our temptations and all of our bad decisions where we can say no. You walk through and you can point, pinpoint each time the temptation not to go to war. Who knows what he's thinking, but the Bible indicates he shouldn't have stayed back. The temptation to go into that area of his roof. The temptation to linger on this woman bathing the temptation to inquire of who she was, the temptation to call for her, the temptation to seduce her in some way, the temptation to take off his clothes, the temptation to seduce her to take off her clothes, the temptation to lie in bed, the temptation of the sexual act itself, the temptation to cover it up, each and every one easily were warning signs from the Holy Spirit in his life as we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
This is Abounding Grace, and today's message from Pastor Ed Taylor represents one portion of a series in 2 Samuel. Purchase a CD copy of this message for just $2. We're here to serve you toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. You can also download the messages from our website at calvaryaurora.org. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. Have you had a chance to download the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps? They're free and a great way to study the Word through your mobile devices. Search for Calvary Aurora. It's listeners like you that allow us to bring the teaching of God's Word to the radio and Internet. If you've been listening a while and grown as a result, we'd be very grateful for your financial help. And for a gift of $25 or more, we'll send you the book Radical Prayer by Manny Mill. When we pray consistently and persistently, big things happen. Radical Prayer offers a glimpse into what can happen when we pray as Jesus taught us. You'll be encouraged to pray with boldness and expect great things. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Well, that'll do it for today. Come back next time when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in 2 Samuel here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor is presented by Calvary Chapel Aurora.